Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Well, hello there, Vivid Church and pastors Justin and Jennifer Reimer. Um, It's so good to see you guys. I'm so honored to be sharing the word with you guys today. It's a huge honor. I'm so excited to be here. I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Layla Nahavandi. Um, I come from a church in Adelaide in South Australia called Life Point Church. It's a Holy Ghost on fire Pentecostal church. And uh, I've been serving on the team there for 13 years now. Um, I'm the Bible College Director at the moment and I'm a teaching pastor as well. Um, I'm also single and ready to mingle, so shout out to all your friends. If anyone knows anybody, you can hook me up with someone in Canada and uh, maybe I'll meet them in about five to ten years when they let us out of Australia. Um, But I'm so honoured to be sharing the word um, with you guys today. I could not be more excited to be a part of this incredible series that you guys are doing. How do you know? How do you know? And today I want to look at the question, how do you know that the Bible is reliable? How do you know that the Bible is reliable? I don't know about you, but I know that in my lifetime, there has never been a more critical time to know what what you believe and why you believe it. And so I'm so excited to be sharing about um, the reliability of the Bible today. I believe that truth is on trial in our generation. Truth is on trial in our generation. And early in the 20th century, G.K. Chesterton actually said this. He said, We shall soon be in a world in which a man may be howled down for saying that two and two make four in which furious party cries will be raised against anybody who says that cows have horns and in which people will persecute the heresy of calling a triangle a three-sided figure and hang a man for maddening a mob with the news that grass is green. Famous quote by G.K. Chesterton. And if that doesn't describe 2020 and 2021 and the culture and society that we're in, I don't know what does. But how many know that the Bible says in John chapter 8 and 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free you free. The the world likes to promote the phrase that what you don't know won't hurt you or can't hurt you. But as Christians, we know that the truth is what you don't know will hurt you. And the Bible wants you to know the truth so that you can live in the freedom that comes from knowing that truth. So firstly, the Bible claims itself to be the truth. It claims to be the living, breathing, active Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 to 17, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Also, we know that in Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, it says this, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, 
that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says this, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. All right, so the Bible claims to be the word of God, the inspired word of God, the words from God himself. So I want to look today at four ways that we can know that the Bible is reliable. Four ways we can know that the Bible is reliable. Vivid Church. The first one is by faith. We can know that the Bible is reliable by faith. The Bible says that it is Um, the Word of God, that it is the inspired Word of God. And the Bible also says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I know that in my life, in the lives of most Christians I know, they would say that nothing argued them into the kingdom of God. It wasn't um, a good argument. It wasn't reason that argued them into the kingdom of God that convinced them to believe. It was actually a faith step that they took, encouraged by the Holy Spirit to believe that what God says is truth, to believe that the Bible is true. And they had faith to believe. So the first way, that we believe that the Bible is reliable is by faith. Not only do we have that internal faith that's given to us by God, but also we build our faith through knowing the Word, reading the Word, and through the testimony of other believers, right? So just as a little bit of an illustration, I wonder if Pastor Justin, if he went on a particular diet and he's like, hey, Layla, I'm doing this new diet and this diet makes me glow in the dark, like legit makes me glow in the dark. I might be like, "Uh, I don't know what's wrong with Pastor Justin. I don't know um, what's going on with him, but he, he seems a bit crazy right now. Like, I don't know what the story is. Like he thinks he can glow in the dark from this particular diet. But then imagine if his whole family, imagine if Pastor Jennifer and Keziah and different people started doing this same diet and claiming, hey, we uh, glow in the dark as well. Like we're, we're on this diet, the Pastor Justin diet, and this Pastor Justin diet makes us glow in the dark. I might be like, okay, that's a bit weird. Imagine if Pastor Justin gets thousands of people on this diet and they all start glowing in the dark. Imagine then if those thousands of people start getting millions of people on this diet and all of them start claiming that they can glow in the dark. Not only are they claiming that they can glow in the dark, but imagine if I was to sit down um, with some of these people and, and turn the lights off and observe for myself that all of these guys were glowing in the dark, right? My faith would be built to believe that what they're saying must be true. It must have some backing behind it. It must be justified. I'm observing it with my eyes. I'm observing what they're telling me is true, but also they're claiming um, that they can glow in the dark and they're, they're claiming that this diet is causing them to, to glow in the dark and they're claiming that this is the truth. 
Do you know what? In the same way, our faith to believe that the Bible is reliable can be built by other people's testimony, by the testimony of millions of people throughout history who have claimed that the Bible is true, that the Bible, the words contained in the Bible has changed their life. It's transformed them. It's renewed their mind. It's set them free. It's helped them to live in the fullness of life that God has for them. Not only that, but other people who aren't Christians have also witnessed and observed throughout history the changes and transformations that have happened in the lives of Christians. They've witnessed to the fact that they can observe that this must have something, some sort of element of truth or reliability to it. So the first way that we can believe that the Bible is reliable is by faith, by faith. The second way we can believe the Bible is reliable is by reason, by reason. So 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians 5 uh, verse 21 says this, But test everything, hold fast to what is good. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we know that the writing of the New Testament was based on eyewitness accounts. We believe these eyewitness accounts. Why? Because these people who were writing the Bible and hundreds that went after them were literally willing to die for their testimony. They were willing to put their lives on the line. People don't usually die for a lie that they made up, right? They don't die for something that they don't actually actually believe is true. Also, reason tells us um, that they wouldn't have included a lot of the material that they included um, if it wasn't the truth, if it wasn't the Word of God. Um, So I don't know about you, but I'm not putting my worst days on my Instagram highlight reel, right? Uh, But if you read through the Bible and you read through the New Testament, it's like a a whole group of bad things that happen to these disciples, of things that show them on their worst days. All right. So if if they're writing it and Peter's leading the church, he wouldn't want to be telling people that one day Jesus called him Satan. Right? He wouldn't want to be telling people that one day he was talking to a young girl and he denied Christ three times. He wouldn't want to be including the facts and the details that he walked on water, but then he drowned. Right? He, he, would, he would want to just be saying, oh yeah, I, I got this awesome, you know, if it's on Instagram, epic picture of you walking on water. You don't include the time when you drown and Jesus has to pick you up and carry you back to the boat, Right? But he's including these details. They're including embarrassing details about their lives. Also, for men in that time period, it would have been extremely embarrassing to um, entrust their their message to the women. So the women were actually the ones who first testified of Jesus being resurrected from the dead. If you want people to believe what you're saying in that time and that culture in that period, you're not going to give the testimony through a mouth of a woman, right? So, so many facts in the Bible and so many things that the Bible teaches and that the Bible says actually um, causes us to believe by reason that it is reliable. By reason, it is reliable. It's not fabricated. It's not fake. 
So the third way that we can believe that the Bible is reliable is by history, by history. So 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16 says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, um, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So history and the history of the Bible and the history of the reception of the Bible can actually cause us to believe that the Bible is reliable. So when we use the same um, criteria for judging the Bible as a historical document um, against all of the other documents that we have from this period in ancient history, we actually see that the Bible, the Old and New Testament, are the most reliable documents that we have today. The primary test of reliability when it comes to historical reliability is one, truthfulness. Is this document truthful in its claims? And two, has it been copied accurately? And the Bible actually holds up to both of these tests. So the first, is it truthful? When in in all ways that the Bible has been tested in its claims that it can be tested, say it's talking about a place or a time or a setting or a way of doing things and different things that it claimed, in every way that it can be tested, it has proven to be true. So archaeologists over in Israel um, for, for many, many years have been testing the claims of the Bible and they have been discovering discovery after discovery after discovery that witness to the fact that the Bible's claims are actually true. The Bible's claims are true. Even those things that they questioned, that, that they didn't know existed, they are actually uncovering later and later and later and finding out that all of these things later on that they've discovered are proving that unknown things are actually true and, and the Bible has claimed these things. We've also discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls that helped us to know that the copying of the Bible um, has been accurate year after year after year. Um, in addition to that, we have um, 10 ancient non-Christian sources, so sources that have no reason to endorse or deny Jesus, no reason to make up that he existed. We have 10 ancient non-Christian sources that were written within 150 years of Jesus' life that mention Jesus and do not contradict the storyline of the Bible. So from all of these um, historical tests that we do with all sorts of historical documents and primary sources, when we put the Bible um, on, the, on the stand and we, we look at those, those reasons and we try to uncover those reasons and we try to um, investigate those historical reliability sort of points, the Bible actually comes up as the most accurately preserved and verified document in the world. So the fourth and final way um, that we can prove the reliability of the Bible and we can trust in the reliability of the Bible is by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only um, what He hears. And He will tell you what is to come. We can trust that the Bible is reliable, both by faith 
and by reason and by history, but we also know that the Bible is reliable by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit has been working through all of these means, faith, reason and history to confirm that the Bible is the living, breathing, active, powerful, life-transforming Word of God that can build our faith and build our lives today. Some people might say, well, what about the science? What about the science? What about evolution and different things like this? And I'm sure you're going to be going over those sorts of questions in this series. Um, one, One story that's always impacted my life is the story of my dad. My dad is a professor of robotic engineering who's given his life to science and research and discovering more about the world and and what we can uncover there. Um, My dad actually had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed his life forever and made him believe that the Bible is a reliable document, that he can put his faith and his trust in Jesus and build his life upon the Bible. When I was about five years old, my family was falling apart and someone reached out to my mum with the gospel. This lady from a Pentecostal church in New Zealand reached out and she said, hey, I believe that if you would give your life to Jesus, if you would just entrust your life to Him, He would actually be able to change your life forever. You'll never regret making that decision to entrust your life to Him. And so my mum, with uh, tears streaming down her face, um, decided to give her life to Jesus and starts going along to church with this lady, um, this lady's husband and my mom, and 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 the, and the lady baptized my mum in their bathtub, which is a bit unconventional. I don't know how I feel about that, um, but she got radically saved. We had Benny Hinn tapes playing all day, every day in our house in the 90s, and so my mum ended up moving back in with my dad and. My dad's there and my dad had come from a Muslim background, um, never believed in Jesus, but um, had come from this Muslim background, grew up in um, Iran and and we're now in New Zealand. And so my mum is like, well, do you want to come along to church? And my dad's just so happy that our family had been reconciled. He's like, well, you know, I believe that, you know, Jesus is a prophet. I believe in Abraham. I believe in Moses. Uh, I may as well go along to church. How, like, what, what harm can it do to me, right? So my dad starts going along to church, this church in New Zealand, and he's hearing about Jesus and he's hearing about Moses and he's sort of tuning in and out and whatever. And he's just sitting there for the two hours on the Sunday morning that he has to be there for. And all of a sudden he starts hearing about this Holy Spirit, right? So my dad's a scientist, he's a robotic engineer, he's into all this sort of stuff, but he's hearing about this phenomena and and people claiming to be healed, people claiming to be delivered, people claiming that they've been able to break addictions in their life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, who is this Holy Spirit? What is this Holy Spirit about? See, being from a Muslim background, he hadn't really heard of the Holy Spirit. He didn't really know much about the Holy Spirit. And so my dad starts to question whether or not the the Holy Spirit is real. And so he was in bed one night and he just decided to pray this prayer. He wasn't a Christian yet or anything like that. And he prays this prayer and he says, Holy Spirit, if you're real, show me. Um, and, and it's a crazy prayer for a non-Christian to pray, but all of a sudden he just felt this wind from the tip of his head to the soles of his feet, right? And he's just like, that's not possible. Like, what just happened? And dad being a scientist, he's like, 
what a coincidence, right? He didn't believe it. He's like, there's no, there's no way that that's possible. So he goes back to bed and he's like lying down again. And just as he's lying there, he again feels this wind, this mighty rushing wind, this gust of wind all over his body. And he's like, I just can't, I can't understand why this is happening. Like what's going on? And so he gets up out of his bed and and being the scientist again, he goes to the windows, he looks at the curtains and he's like trying to see if there's a window open or anything like that. There's no windows open and he's trying to reconcile how this wind could be on his body and he's feeling it and he's like, am I imagining things? What's going on? Couldn't reconcile it. So he goes back to bed one more time and he feels this wind more powerful than before and he hears the Holy Spirit say to him, I just want to show you that I'm real. I just want to show you that I'm real. And so from that moment on, my dad's life was totally transformed. He converted to Christianity. He put his faith in Jesus. He put his trust in the Word of God. He started building his life according to the Word of God. And I know for my family, for my dad, for my mum, for our family, our lives have never, ever been the same because of that encounter that he had with the Holy Spirit. When people ask, what about the science? Our response should be, yes, what about the science? What about the science can tell us about the meaning or purpose of life? What about the science can tell us about why we exist? What about the science can explain why we're here on earth? See, science might be able to take us so far. It might be able to help us understand how things work, but it can never ever tell us why we're here. It can't give us meaning and purpose and confirm our existence. If we want to know why we were created, we can't just go around dissecting the created. We actually need to go to the creator. And the Bible leads us to our creator. The Bible leads us to know the creator. The Bible, through the power of the Holy Spirit, confirms the truth of the Word of God. And as we put our faith in the Word of God, the Bible says that we know the truth and the truth sets us free. Hey, maybe you're watching today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never made a decision to put your faith in Jesus. I really pray today that this message has helped um, you to discover that the Bible is reliable. That I hope you're encouraged to go and discover what's written in its pages. I, I pray that you're encouraged to go deeper into your understanding and your discovery and your revelation of the truth that is contained within the pages of the Bible. And I pray above all else that you would know the truth and the truth would set you free. Vivid Church, can I just pray for you before we go today? God, I pray for Vivid Church today. I thank you um, that your hand is upon this church. I thank you, God, that you are building Vivid Church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, I pray that you would strengthen and you would encourage your church and your people today. I pray that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. You would empower them. You would equip them to be all that you've created them to be. God, I pray that their faith would be built today to know that your word is reliable, that they can build their lives upon the firm foundation of the truth contained within it. And God, I pray that everybody listening to this message today would know the truth and the truth would set them free. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. 
Well, God bless you, Vivid Church. Thank you so much for having me with you today. It has been so much fun and a huge honour to be a part of this series. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Justin and I'll catch you guys soon. God bless you. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.